Hello, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here this day, Tuesday, February 20th, 2024, for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. I come to you each day at about 9 o'clock, uh, Central Time, whatever time zone you're in. But uh, that's live. Uh, you can, of course, watch or listen later in the day um, or in the day's future. You could uh, do it back to back. Um, there's some parts of our daily prayer that we repeat each day, so uh, if you do happen to want to uh, do some back-to-back, uh, you might skip over the first parts um, and just jump to the daily readings. Uh, you're free to do that. You can use this however you like. Um, what I do, what I am trying to do here, and been doing it for oh over four years now, is to try to model uh, for the congregation uh, a life of daily prayer. All right, and this is um, a good uh, well good? No, that's not strong enough a word. Uh, virtuous? I would say that's not even strong enough. Maybe an essential part of the life of the pastor, that he prays for his people, um, but I would even say also then for every Christian that we um, heed the admonition of the scriptures to um, meditate upon God's word day and night. All right, so that's what we do here. And I try to help you with that, uh, both to help myself, but also to help you in the process. Uh, we can actually encourage one another in prayer. All right, so that's what we do here. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our psalm is Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle or will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, our verse for the week. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16. All right, what is the sacrament of the altar? It is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, instituted by Christ, or under bread and wine, instituted by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and to drink. Where is this written? The holy evangelists Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul write, Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he gave it 
He broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. All right. So there's one part of the catechism that uh, probably you can you can probably save by memory. I, I certainly, uh, it's part of, part of my uh, vocational necessity to be able to say it by memory, but maybe you have uh, learned it by heart to the words of institution, the verba, as it's called in Latin. All right. So, um, well, and that's because you hear it uh, every Lord's Day here, right? And Wednesdays. Um, well, not during Lent. During Lent, we're going to use, uh, pray the office of Vespers, all right, for our Wednesday evening services. We haven't prayed that in a while. All right. Our first reading today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, one is hungry and the other is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, singular, singular, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. All right. So, Apparently, what's going on in the Church of Corinth is that um, those who have the leisure to come earlier in the day, um, because likely because of work, um, come and eat of the agape meal, the, the love meal, right, which includes the Lord's Supper, but probably is bigger than that. Um, so there's a, a collection and then a distribution of food. Uh, but those who work long hours, who can't come until after sunset, um, the widows, the orphans, these li- and the like, um, are coming and they're only getting the table scraps um, of the collection. And also, um, they're not um, communing on Christ's body and blood with the rest of the congregation. All right, so this is what Paul's opposed to here, is, is one, the neglect of, of some um, by taking the collection and eating and drinking it uh, apart from the rest of the community. All right, so um, this is an important lesson, I think, for the Christian congregation, that as much as it is uh, within our ability, uh, we gather as one congregation um, in all things. All right, and so um, this is a challenge for us uh, and for congregations that have multiple services, say throughout the week, is that you end up with multiple congregations. And um, there are some uh, traditions, the Eastern Church in particular, um, who take this word quite seriously and and will not have multiple um, divine services. Right? They'll have, uh, or if they do have multiple, the whole congregation is expected to come uh, to them. Right? Um, not that you pick and choose which ones you come to. All right. So that's in the East. Um, and I can appreciate that because they are one congregation and they indicate that. And if they're too large for their sanctuary, they build, build a larger one um, or start another church, right? call another priest, that sort of thing. All right, so that's one, one, one aspect that we have here. Um, the other aspect is, is that we don't do these private Lord's suppers, um, some for some and some for others, is that we, again, we gather as, as one congregation and as, and as much as we can. All right, so we, 
It's so anti-consumeristic, isn't it? Um, because we approach even the matters of the church as like, well, I can pick and choose which parts I want and which parts I don't. Um, but I can tell you that, um, in effect, then, we do have multiple congregations, even in our case, um, because we have those that are, um, in a sense, all in on the the life of the church and hearing of God's word and the study of that together um, and, and different aspects of our fellowship and support of our ministries, et cetera. And then we have those um, who kind of pick and choose and, again, treat it consumeristically and say, well, I don't like that or I want that or I'll come this week or I'll come, not come next week, that sort of thing. And um, there's an impoverishment there. Now, what's going on here in the in 1 Corinthians, of course, is that there's some, because of um, their own life situation, cannot gather um, during the day. And uh, the, the right answer to that, of course, is to not gather during the day, but to gather rather uh, when the majority or all the congregation can meet, right? And then to share all things together, right? So um, that does mean that there are some creature comforts that have to be, have to be um, set aside. For example, you know, driving at night rather than driving during the day, um, you know, and transversing in, in difficult weather and these sorts of things. But those are, I think, reasonable sacrifices in order that the Christian congregation be one. And you see that, and especially in the last verse here, we eat of one bread and one cup, right? This cup, singular, right? Um, so we probably want to avoid anything, um, practically speaking, that we do that indicates that um, there are multiple cups and there's multiple breads, right, in a sense. Right? You might think about um, things that we even are doing now that don't indicate the unity of of, um, of the faith in, the, in, in Christ. All right. One cup, one bread, because there's one tree of life, right? Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, As God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, or eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and that a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that we were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception, In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat it, or eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the herb of the field. 
In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he was he placed cherubim on the east of the garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Mm. It's a very powerful story. All sorts of uh, almost... Um, epic kind of mythological things to say there. Um, I did actually preach a little homily on um, the idea of, mm, maybe summarize it this way, becoming, um, I was preaching to fellow my fellow pastors here in the circuits, uh, becoming boys again and delighting in in the scriptures, um, you know, as, as a young boy might, in all of its epic fantasy, mythological, um, you know, crazy details. And uh, not being ashamed of that and thinking that everything has to be rational and reasonable. <laughs> Um, I don't know how well it was received. They were talking about it afterwards, so uh, that's good enough for me. I did uh, post it on the podcast. Not, uh, It's not on the video platforms. I didn't uh, do a video recording. I didn't stream it, but I did save the audio, so you can uh, you can listen to it uh, if you go onto our website to the uh, media section after, under church, um, or if you subscribe to the podcast version, the audio version, um, you'll be able to listen to it there, and maybe you'll f- uh, find it helpful too. All right, so here we have Satan appearing and uh, we know this from later on, but appearing here as a as a dragon or a serpent, right? And um, I should have probably given you a picture where he's pictured as a dragon because that that connects you well then to Revelation, the apocalypse, where he's described there in the same fashion, which is basically a snake with wings, right? A serpent with wings. All right. Uh, who was present when the command about the tree of the knowledge of of uh, tree of knowledge was given? This is very important. We said this yesterday. The command not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was given to Adam. Eve was not yet created at that point. It had not been taken from Adam's side. Right? Um, but here, the serpent does not do the what we call the, uh, the frontal attack, um, but this is the back door. Right? He comes by way of Eve, and, it, and he attacks the woman. Not because the woman is necessarily weaker, but in a sense she is, um, because she stands behind the man or subordinate to the man, um, but also um, because she has to trust the word of Adam, which is, of course, the word of God, but spoken by her husband. Right? And the temptation then, just like we saw with Jesus in the garden or in the wilderness on Sunday, the temptation is again with words. Has God indeed said? All right. And then he assures the woman um, in verse four, you will not surely die. All right. So God made the made this promise, um, or rather curse, um, and then the serpent disputes that. And uh, in a way, the serpent's right. Okay. She will not immediately die because God is merciful and gracious. Um, and long-suffering and patient, and is going to work redemption for, for both her and her husband, right, and their offspring in Christ. Um, so in one sense, he's right, but in another sense, he's wrong, because they will immediately die um, in faith, right? So their their trust in the Lord will, will die, and um, God will have to come and restore them by his word and spirit again, right? All right, so uh, Satan says, here's the benefit, of course, you won't die, one, the curse is wrong, and two, um, actually what God said is true, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like him, knowing good and evil. Notice what the uh, basis for the decision is here. And this connects us well to the ninth and tenth commandment of coveting, right? It comes from the eyes. It's pleasant to the eyes, right? Shall not covet your neighbor's house, right? You see it and you want it. 
or his wife, his manservant, his maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor, again, by way of the eyes and then the sinful heart. Um, Instead of using her eyes, which should have been the basis of her decision, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the answer is, yes, it does look good. Thank you, serpent. But God has said, and I'm going to trust God's word over anything that my eyes and my senses can can feel, taste, and touch. All right, so again, uh, this would be a great, I mean, I should just link to it. Um, I'm going to put a link in the chat for uh, the sermon from yesterday, so that way you can just go find, you won't have to go looking for it. Um, because, um, again, I worked on this on this theme yesterday just briefly, right, in about six-minute little sermon, so um, not not a long one, but worth your uh I think worth your consideration. All right. View episode details. Now I want the link. Copy link. There we go. All right. Um, so her eyes confirm that the tree is good for food and uh, pleasing to the eye and desirable to make one wise. Right? Just as God said, actually. Um, but God had said, do not eat of it. So the death part is not true. Well, it is kind of true too. <laughs> right. She will die. Notice, this is sometimes overlooked. I pointed this out to you. Um, before, that she also took of its fruit and gave it to her husband with her, and he ate, meaning he was there the whole time, right? This is why Adam bears the blame. Adam is the the messenger of God. Adam is the one who bears um, the blame for failing to speak God's word against the serpent, even though the attack came um, to, um, you know, against Eve, right? Adam's vocational responsibility as husband is to speak God's word. As the head of the household, it's the same, to speak God's word to his children, right? If you want want to know uh, where the uh, where the, the the weakness that has brought about um, what do we want to call it the decline of the church, it's the failure of husbands and fathers to speak God's word to both to hear God's word and then to speak it to their families. Um, I know that's indicting. It was for me um, even as a pastor. I was not regular in prayer with my family, um, and uh, another family. Um, uh, demonstrated this to me that it can be done, and so then I started with my family, and now I try to demonstrate it for you here. Um, again, it, it, you shouldn't be ashamed to just read God's word and talk about it with your children. Okay, um, so those of you who have children, and of course, I mean, I, obviously, we have some regret and maybe some shame for our failure to do this, um, but that doesn't mean that we can't commend um, those who are in the church today. Uh, and, and of course, you can start anytime. It's just like diet or exercise, right? <laughs> it's never too late. Um, all right. Uh, notice we have a two-word confession from both Adam and Eve. Uh, in both cases, the man says, I ate, and the woman says, I ate. All right, so they both agree. All right. Um, notice the, the serpent doesn't say he ate. Um, in a sense, he sought to devour them. Um, but instead, what is he going to be given to devour? You shall eat dust. All right, well, actually, man is going to return to the dust. Dust you are, and to dust you shall return, and to be devoured by the serpent. All right. So there is something to that. It's a lovely, uh, not lovely, it's a kind of horrifying picture. The serpent is cursed to, to, to uh, dwell on the earth, but of course there he's seeking to devour a man who returns to the earth. You'll note in verse 15, in the curse against the serpent, we have um, seed here. Now seed can be singular, um, but this capital S seed is, of course, or can be plural. Uh, there it's singular, masculine singular. Um, so offspring doesn't really work. Seed, singular, not seeds, right? So we have seed plural here, seed singular um, later in verse 15, right? Between your offspring, you might say, and between her seed, singular. Um, seed, of course, is interesting because um, tradition, the typical understanding is that the seed belongs to the man, 
right? And he inseminates the woman, right? That's both biological, but it's also scriptural. Uh, but here, um, there is going to be no man, right? She's going to be uh, conceived by way of the Holy Spirit, right? So it's the prophecy of the Savior, the the man, born of woman, Christ Jesus. And uh, the woman's seed will cr- bruise or crush the serpent's head, and the serpent, of course, will bruise or crush his heel. This is a picture of the crucifixion, where Satan is defeated, but Jesus, of course, dies, right? And incidentally, they both die, um, but of course, Jesus has power over death by having died the, the, the death of sin. Um, oh, seeds. Hmm. Why seed? Why would seed be a better translation than offspring? We followed all the talk of trees and fruit. Ah, yes. So seeds fall from trees and um, then spring forth from the ground to bear life, right? As Christ burst forth from the grave with life. All right, so according to verse 17, Adam did two things incorrectly. One, he heeded the voice of his wife, of course, who had, was repeating or echoing the voice of the serpent, right? So that's the first problem. And two, that he ate, right? Of which God had commanded him not to eat, all right? The food that men um, eat cannot prevent what then? According to verse 19, you shall eat bread, but none of that bread will prevent death. So we'll note here that um, there is no tree that gives life anymore for Adam and Eve. Well, not yet. There will be one, right? Um, so there's going to be a distinction between earthly bread and the bread of heaven, who's Christ himself. We'll get to that. So did God send them away from the tree of lo- uh, life because of love or as punishment? That's another, I think, misunderstood thing. Well, he cast them out because he was mad. No, he does say quite explicitly um, not that he did not want them to eat of the tree of life and eat and live forever, right? because that would lead them to eternal death. That curse still would be um, hold true. And eventually they will be brought back to a tree of life, but where the curse of death is removed, right? And that's at the death of Christ. Notice that he also um, sends them out of the garden and prevents, um, prevents their way to, to, from entering into the garden, both by cherubim and by a flaming sword. Of course, the flaming sword that prevents them from entering Eden um, this way, rather than through the death of Christ, is the word of God. Right, unless you're, um, you know, uh, a Nazi in uh, Indiana Jones, and you're trying to find uh, the Ark of the Covenant or the Tree of Life or something. All right, this is really important because um, sending them out and having this flaming sword, like Ephesians six, Hebrews four, Revelation one nineteen, the Word of God, which is like a sharp two edged sword, um, is because the false eating of the eating of that uh, tree that God had commanded not to eat must be replaced with the right kind of eating now, which will be in the body and blood of Christ, which gives not only um, temporal life, but eternal life, and because it gives forgiveness of sins, which is the first part. So you can see all of the, um, oh, I don't know what the right word is, literary, mythological, you know, um, connections here to the rest of the scriptures. Uh, Genesis 1 through 3, really Genesis 1 through uh, through the flood is so um, paradigmatic. It, it, sets the, it sets the framework for us understanding um, our life in this world, all right? And our life in Christ. There's a lot more that could be said, but we'll leave it there. From the beginning, our Lord connected the correct connected the correct hearing to eating and living. Correct hearing is connected to he- eating and living. The woman heard the preaching of a different word about the tree of the curse and believed it to be the tree of blessing. Because the word of God is attached to that tree, when the man and woman ate of that tree, they received exactly what the word declared. The promise of life was really attached to another visible sign, the fruit of the tree of life. In eating of it, they would have received the declaration of life, but once they had tasted the fruit of death, the tree of life's fruit would have become a bitter judgment of eternal death. Our Lord has now come in the flesh to bear the curse 
and so declare us righteous. Jesus invites us to hear and believe the comforting words that the fruit of his passion and resurrection, the forgiveness of sins, is offered each time we eat of his flesh and drink of his blood in the Lord's Supper. Where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. All right? Um, So, of course, that's another topic with the sacrament of the altar that is uh, one of these uncomfortable truths um, is that Jesus makes some pretty astounding promises that are for you and for your children. Um, But for some reason, for the last 200 years or so in uh, the Lutheran church, um, we've neglected to administer Christ's body and blood um, to children who rightly, who have been examined and rightly recognize um, Jesus as being given there in his body and blood under bread and wine. Um, instead, attaching to it a, a kind of a Baptistic notion of a of an age of accountability, um, you know, eighth grade or something. Um, it is right that children be instructed um, in the scriptures um, as we do here, which is I do with them, even from basically from um, pre pre kindergarten <laughs> or into kindergarten. And um, um, they acknowledge that it's Christ's body and blood in the Lord's Supper, and yet they're not given to eat and drink of it, um, which is kind of an astounding thing, is that you would withhold a gift from children, uh, but not because they do not believe it, um, but because hmm, you think they are not yet, what, intellectually able to assent to it or something? I don't even know um, what the what the motivation is. And so um, our congregation here, since, uh, what did I say, at least 2010, so long before I came, um, had uh, changed the, uh, by way of policy actually, had, had laid out a policy saying that, that children were not barred from the Lord's Supper, um, but that they would be rightly examined and absolved and receive the Supper as would um, anyone, you know, older. All right, so uh, for this, uh, we have, um, a, we do still have a standard expectation that they know the Ten Commandments, the Creed, the Prayer, they know what baptism is, they know what the Lord's Supper is, and they know what absolution is, all right? And they can confess those things with their mouth. That's that's our our standard. Um, but like I said, I have eight year olds that can do that. <laughs> and as far as I know, they believe it because that's what they say, right? Um, so um, this is an encouragement to parents. I don't we don't force the sacrament on people either. So I encourage parents uh, to bring their children forward um, for examination and uh, after giving them that instruction and then uh, being welcome to the table. And of course, we do have that lengthy um, period of catechesis leading into. Um, high school age, typically, where uh, they do get a lengthy catechesis, and that's for their uh, adult life in the church, right? Um, that catechesis is meant to be, yeah, it's pretty intensive. It's weekly uh, for about three years, but um, afterwards, you know, the, we don't want them to leave the church, but rather than to continue in that catechesis. And somehow that also uh, has been neglected or or, or missed, right? So, um, yeah. So, um, we have a lot of uh, work to do to reconcile our practice with what, what with what God's word gives. And uh, I think we can see that here in the text. Um, God's word gives us to eat of the tree of life and not of the knowledge of good and evil. And yet Adam and Eve tried to um, distorted that and actually brought death to them and brought hurt and harm to them. And so we want our practice to be according to the word of God and not according to some arbitrary rules that, uh, that have been created by men, right? And uh, just think about it this way. Uh, if you neglect to administer a gift of love from Christ that brings forgiveness, life, and salvation um, to some of the commu- Christian community um, who, um, in faith, could receive it right, rightly, then what's going to be the consequence of neglecting to uh, administer Christ's gift? It's going to be very similar to the, um, the consequence of Adam neglecting to speak God's word to his wife when she's being tempted, as it brings death, right? It brings hurt and harm. So let's not do that. All right. 
so especially that's for parents um, who have uh, children who are not yet communing, um, is you know, do the work. It's not hard. Learn the Ten Commandments, the Creed, and the Prayer. Just say them each day. Um, talk about baptism, Lord's Supper. Be able to, to speak in the, in the way that the Scripture speaks of these things and, uh, and of absolution and, and bring them to me um, for examination and admission to the table. All right, we could say more, but we'll leave it there. We'll probably say it again. I'll probably mention this again each day <laughs> over the next few weeks as we look at the sacrament of the altar. All right, our hymn for the week is, O Lord, We Praise Thee. know the words of institution by heart you probably know that lord's supper hymn by heart too as we sing it so frequently all right lovely hymn first stanza was an old german text uh, and then luther added two more all right we pray i think oh let me check commemorations first hold on pretty confident we don't have anything no not until friday oh lord you led your ancient people through the wilderness and brought them to the promised land guide the people of your church that following our savior we may walk through the wilderness of this world for the glory of the world to come. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for deliverance against temptation and evil, for the addicted and despairing, for the tortured and oppressed, and for those struggling with sin. We also pray um, this day with Karen celebrating her birthday. Uh, We also uh, pray in Thanksgiving that Karen uh, was safely delivered this morning. She actually uh, uh, had a, a fender bender on the road. I was a little late getting to school, but uh, she's safe and, and sound. So not only does she have, you know, she has kind of a crazy birthday now, but uh, she can celebrate uh, her life and that the Lord preserved her life this morning too from accident. We also pray with Courtney celebrating her baptism. We pray for the households of our church, Stephen and Morgan, Aaron, Chad and Jolene, Dennis, Randy, Summer. We pray for our catechumens. We pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Ralph, Allison, Joe, Dennis, Brad, Ron, Carol, and Mike, Doug. Donna, uh, Courtney Manzek, that's the niece of Matt and, and Vicki, um, is having an operation. Sandy, BJ, and President Willie. Our homebound, Dan, Lenore, Joan, Paul, Dolores, Merlin, and Pauline. Pray for all the missions and mercy work of the church this month with Sheboygan Lutheran High School, um, especially as they are seeking a new executive director and are in the midst of a call process for that. 
we also pray, um, let's see, where'd we leave off? For um, any future upcoming church plans that the Lord um, gather his flock wherever they are. Pray that the Lord grant us new students through um, en- enrollment, our open enrollment right now. We ask the Lord, um, Jesus, to find the lost coin and the lost son and bring them home. And we pray for the family and friends of Marcy who grieve her death. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that um, you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, that's our congregation of prayer for today, uh, Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. Hopefully I gave you um, some things to think about. Again, delight in the, in the scriptures and um, all the ways that the, the, the pictures that are given um, of the tree of life and the river of life and eating of the forbidden fruit, but the promise of a, of a tree that would give life and a son that would crush the serpent's head and, uh, hmm, and, the, and the one who would speak God's word as a dutiful husband uh, to his bride, the church, right? Christ Jesus um, is fulfilled there, right? So many um, typological connections, right? Throughout the scriptures, so beautiful. So hopefully that's helpful for you too. All right, and uh, yeah, commend you to the Lord's care. Go check out the um, the sermon or homily yesterday I gave to the uh, fellow pastors. Maybe you'll find it beneficial too. And the Lord be with you all. We'll see you tomorrow. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.